The Bible is one unified story pointing to Jesus as the fulfillment of God's plan to redeem humanity. But within that context, the Bible also has different classifications of books. Prophetic messages, apocalyptic depictions, narrative stories, and wisdom literature to provide guidance for our everyday relationships and life decisions. Welcome back to From Hevel to Eternity, my Bible study podcast. I'm Brian, and today we're going to explore how to read the book of Proverbs, one of the books of the Bible collectively described as wisdom literature. It'll just be a short little one-episode introduction to lay a foundation for any future discussion episodes on the book of Proverbs that we do. We'll also read through a decent number of Proverbs just to get a tangible connection to it. If you open your Bible to somewhere near the middle, chances are that you've landed in one of the five books considered wisdom literature. The books of Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Songs, or Song of Solomon, are grouped together as wisdom books. Psalms is sometimes lumped in there and sometimes not, but for this instance, we're just going to consider it part of it. And those five books, they take up a fairly sizable portion of the Old Testament. You see verses from Proverbs on a lot of coffee cups or social media posts. They are short little snippets that provide some basic guidance on life situations. And while they can absolutely be read and applied individually, the book of Proverbs has a purpose. It weaves similar thematic threads across all of its pages. I pray that this episode helps us to see the book of Proverbs as a coherent book, instead of just a cobbled collection of verses. In total, the book of Proverbs commands us to seek wisdom, to fear God, to avoid becoming the fool, and to look toward Jesus as the true fulfillment of wisdom. Most of the Proverbs appear to be from King Solomon, but a few of them are attributed to other unknown wise men. Chapter 30 is the words of Agur, and chapter 31 is the words of King Lemuel and his mother that taught him them. So God is speaking wisdom and truth through Solomon, unknown wise men, Agur, Lemuel, and Lemuel's mother. Well, that sounds kind of all over the place, but most of the Proverbs are attributed to King Solomon, so let's focus on him for a couple minutes. Solomon was the last true king of the United Kingdom of Israel. Technically, there was one more after him, but the kingdom fell apart on that guy's watch, so Solomon is the last king to have been king over the United Kingdom for his entire reign. He was King David's son, and he presided over a period of amazing growth and prosperity in Israel. He amassed vast wealth. Like, he had hundreds of houses and wives and concubines, and he threw parties that would have made Gatsby jealous. While we might plant grape trees and gardens, Solomon planted vineyards and entire forests. He prayed for and was granted wisdom from God, which we see on display in the book of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and the Song of Songs. A collection of verses that provide some background on Solomon include 1 Kings 2.12, Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and his kingdom was firmly established. 1 Kings 3.7, Now Yahweh my God, you have made your servant king instead of David my father. I am but a little child. I don't know how to go out or come in. 1 Kings 3.9, Give your servant 
therefore an understanding heart to judge your people, that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this your great people? 1 Kings 4.29 God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much, and very great understanding, even as the sand that is on the seashore. 1 Kings 4.32 He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. And lastly, 1 Kings 4.34 There came of all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So Solomon documented and shared his wisdom, and the people came from all over to consume the wisdom and guidance that he provided. But remember that that wisdom and guidance was granted to him by God. Again, most of the book of Proverbs is attributed to God speaking wisdom through this king, King Solomon. Okay, so a really wise dude wrote most of the book, but what exactly is the book of Proverbs, though? While we might typically consume the book as a series of McNuggets, it does have a very specific arrangement. It is 31 chapters long, and the first section provides an outline of the value of seeking wisdom and living wisely. Then the last two-thirds of the book, they really dive into descriptions of various guidance and advice that's soaked in wisdom. They're basically guidelines for living wisely. The basic purpose of the book is found in Proverbs 1, verses 2 through 4. To know wisdom and instruction, to discern the words of understanding, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discernment to the young man. So in a nutshell, these Proverbs are provided so that we may know wisdom, receive instruction, gain knowledge and discernment. But to what end? Proverbs 1.7 describes that the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge, but the foolish despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10 underlines this again when it declares the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. According to Fee and Stewart, wisdom begins with the fear of and trust in Yahweh. At the practical level, it consists of making wise choices between good and evil behavior. Such wisdom is to be desired above all else in order to live a full and godly life. And then according to Josh Patterson, the purpose of Proverbs is to subtract from the number of fools and add to the number of the wise. Listen to the Proverbs and themes and purposes as we work through this episode. But don't just hear them. The purpose is to increase knowledge, grow the ranks of the wise, and to bring us closer to God. That means we also need to apply this wisdom to our lifestyles and to our worship. If part of the purpose is to seek wisdom, fear God, and to avoid becoming the fool, what exactly is wisdom? David Platt claims wisdom is the fruit of a right relationship with God. The Hebrew word for wisdom used throughout this book is chokmah. If it doesn't sound like you're hawking a loogie, then you're not saying it right. Chokmah. It's more than just a word for wisdom. It's a concept of wisdom. It rolls up a bunch of ideas. 
It rolls up characteristics. It rolls up decision-making skills. It rolls up head knowledge. It rolls up application, and it rolls up street smarts. In totality, it is the concept behind lifestyle choices and reactions to the situations we find ourselves in every day. It is important because it dictates how we live and how we respond. Bruce Waltke says the possession of wisdom enables humans to cope with life. That ability within us to live and to respond and to cope, it derives from God, and we need to remember that. Listen to Proverbs chapter 2, verses 2 through 8, which I think sum up that idea very well. So as to turn your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of Yahweh and find the knowledge of God. For Yahweh gives wisdom. Out of his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He lays up wisdom for the upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, that he may guard the paths of justice and preserve the way of his saints. The opposite of the wise is the foolish. So what is the way of the fool? God doesn't just command wisdom over foolishness and then fail to define either one. Throughout the book of Proverbs, he provides boundaries for what constitutes wise and foolish behaviors. Some Proverbs pertaining to foolishness include Proverbs 1.22. How long, you simple ones, will you love simplicity? How long will mockers delight themselves in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Proverbs 10.18. He who hides hatred has lying lips. He who utters a slander is a fool. Proverbs 12.15 says the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but he who is wise listens to counsel. Proverbs 14.16 A wise man fears and shuns evil, but the fool is hot-headed and reckless. So according to just these few verses, a fool is someone who mocks or hates knowledge someone who lies or slanders, who tries to cover up hate or disdain with misleading statements, someone who thinks they are always right and refuses to listen to advice, someone who is reckless, and people who are quick to anger. So let's be real for a minute. It sounds like all of us have probably played the fool at some point in our lives, right? Well, that's kind of the point. This book applies to all of us. We are all in need of wisdom, and as we'll discuss later, we are all in need of him who perfectly fulfills the wisdom of God that we are unable to obtain on our own. And it's important because, as the book also discusses, foolish actions usually invite harsh responses from people. Take Proverbs 18, verses 6 and 7 as an example. A fool's lips come into strife, and his mouth invites beatings. A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are a snare to his soul. So the book of Proverbs, it provides a path toward wisdom and godliness, and that grows as fruit of a deeper relationship with God. It's described in the book of Proverbs as fearing the Lord. Individual snippets of these truths are called a proverb. Josh Patterson of the Village Church says that a proverb is simply a little saying, a little phrase, a little comparison, an object lesson that is said and held up for us to look at 
analyze as a general truth and then principalize that truth to my specific reality and context. How, though, do we approach reading and understanding the book of Proverbs as a collection of individual Proverbs? Well, Platt reminds us that Proverbs are guidelines for living, not guarantees in life. They are not promises to be claimed. So for me, Proverbs might provide characteristics for living a more godly life. They are statements of truth, but they are not an absolute and finite equation. 2 plus 2 doesn't always equal 4. Applying a proverb to life does not guarantee a specific, constant, worldly result. A great example of this is Proverbs 10.4. He becomes poor who works with a lazy hand, but the hand of the diligent brings wealth. So we all know that working hard doesn't always guarantee worldly wealth, and that lazy people are not guaranteed to be poor. We all know hard workers who barely scrape by, and we're all probably naming in our head at least one lazy worker we know who seems to prosper despite their laziness. But as wise guidance goes, having the characteristic of working hard generally creates better results than being lazy. Then on top of that, as a disciple of Jesus who wants to be portrayed as a light in the world, being someone who is known for putting my head down, working hard, and serving others, it'll provide a much better platform for gospel conversations than being a lazy mooch would be. Again, it's not always true, but more often than not, it holds. Tim Mackey, in a handout from his Western Seminary notes, he pretty well sums it up when he states, Proverbs teaches a clear connection between character and consequence. Let's talk to some specific themes covered within the book. For instance, what does the book of Proverbs say about our words? A worthless person, a man of iniquity, is he who walks with a perverse mouth. Proverbs 6.12 The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. Proverbs chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. There is one who speaks rashly like the piercing of a sword, but the tongue of the wise heals. Proverbs 12, 18. Okay, how about our wealth? What does it say about that? There is one who scatters and increases yet more. There is one who withholds more than is appropriate, but gains poverty. Proverbs eleven twenty four. He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous shall flourish as a green leaf. Proverbs 11.28 Wealth gained dishonestly dwindles away, but he who gathers by hand makes it grow. Proverbs 13.11 And then the last one that I'll do. What does the book of Proverbs say about our sexual behavior? Let your spring be blessed. Rejoice in the wife of your youth a loving doe and a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. Be captivated always with her love. For why should you, my son, be captivated with an adulteress? Why embrace the bosom of another? Proverbs five eighteen through 20 He who commits adultery with a woman is void of understanding. He who does it destroys his own soul. Proverbs six thirty two, And then lastly, with persuasive words, she led him astray. With the flattering of her lips, she seduced him. He followed her immediately as an ox goes to the slaughter, 
as a fool stepping into a noose. Proverbs 7, verses 21 and 22. So these are just a few examples of some of the themes that are connected throughout the book of Proverbs. Together, they all paint a picture of wise, godly living. So we've worked through how some of those sub-themes all connect. But remember what one of the main purposes of the book of Proverbs is. It's to help us seek wisdom, fear God, and avoid becoming the fool. So when we read the book of Proverbs, we need to read it with humility. We need to bring the humble pie, and we need to be fully prepared to eat from it. When pride comes, then comes shame, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 11.2 Whoever loves correction loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. Proverbs 12.1 There is a way which seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. Proverbs 14.12 And then the last one, Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear Yahweh and depart from evil. Proverbs 3.7 So as you read, study, and meditate on the book of Proverbs, remember who provides wisdom. God is its originator, not man. And that means that we need to stand ready to be humbled and corrected and to not think of ourselves as wise in our own eyes and above being approached and guided by somebody else. As we close out this episode, remember that the primary theme of the entire Bible is to point us to Jesus. So how does the book of Proverbs point us forward to our Savior? Well, King Solomon, he was a wise dude, but he was still just a little cake king who fell way short. So the wisdom of Proverbs, it points us toward the true king. Thomas Schreiner in his book, The King and His Beauty, states, What is personified as wisdom in Proverbs reaches its fullest and final fulfillment in Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 1, 30-31 say, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who was made to us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Then Colossians 2, verses 2 and 3, that their hearts may be comforted, they being knit together in love, and gaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding, that they may know the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge hidden. So the book of Proverbs asks if we're going to fear God, seek wisdom, and follow the word of God, or if we're going to play the fool an inch closer to our own demise. The New Testament paints a very specific portrait of the person who we are to follow, the person who is the wisdom of God, the person who is the word of God, who is God incarnate, Jesus. So the questions are the same. What are you going to seek after? Jesus, our true God, our Savior, or gods of your own creation who lead fools to destruction. Thanks for listening. Unless otherwise noted, all Bible verses were from the World English Bible Translation, which is in the public domain. I think next episode we might walk through a singular chapter of Proverbs to kind of better paint a picture of how the book, it's not just a collection of unconnected sayings, of kind of how it has a flow. Until next time, though, I love y'all.